Good morning. Did you like that anthem that the choir sang a little bit ago? That was nice. How'd that make you feel? Joyful? Made me feel joyful. Well, we're going to talk a little bit about another feeling today, and that is fear. Sometimes we're afraid of things. And when we're really afraid of things, sometimes it just feels like a weight on us. You know, we're just scared and we feel all knotted up inside. So I'm going to share with you a couple of things I might be afraid of, and then I'll get you to share some things you're afraid of. And for everything we say that we're afraid of, you're going to go get one of those books, start with the smaller ones, and we'll work our way to the big ones, and come over here and put it in this bag for me, okay? Can we do that? So I'll get Mark to get my first two. <laughs> So I am a bit afraid of snakes. <laughs> so he's giving me two because both of us are. So can you guys hand me that and just put it right on in there? Okay. Another thing I'm afraid of, because I saw it happen to a friend of mine. He thought he knew his sermon, but he, you know, we have pages where we put our notes and he had forgotten his last page and suddenly forgotten everything he was going to say. That is something that I'm afraid of, that I'm going to come in here someday and forget everything I was going to say. So you want to give me a book for that? Okay. All right. So this could take a really long time, and we don't want it to, so I need you to start shouting out things you're afraid of and get a book every time. What else are you afraid of? Anything? Yeah? Um, I'm really afraid of the devil. Oh, well, we certainly need a book for that. Okay, so we need two books. You can hand that up. Mark, you may have to hand them to me. <laughs> okay, right in there. Anything else we're afraid of? Anybody? Yeah? Healthy food. You're afraid of healthy food. Okay, Mark. <laughs> what else we got? Yes? You're afraid of spiders. Okay. You had one? Do you have one? Sharks, too. Okay, Mark, I need a big one for sharks. Okay, we need a big one. All right, what else we got? Tornadoes. I second that one. Okay. I'm afraid of children getting hurt when their head bumps on the cart. Okay. Last one. That's fine. I don't think the last one's going to fit in there anyway. So... If I'm carrying around all these fears, you know what? I don't even want to try to lift this book bag because I think it would hurt my back. And I figured that might happen, so I asked the strongest person I think I know in the congregation to come. <laughs> Just this morning asked him, he's so thrilled, see if he can lift those for us. Oh, it's not so easy. Can you put those in the cart for me? Oh, man. So Ryan here is just a strong guy, huh? So do you think that means he's not afraid of anything? You don't think so. Ryan, are you afraid of anything? Sure, I'm afraid of, of lots of things all the time. Um, I, I was afraid to come up here and talk to all you scary children in front of all these people. <laughs> um, fear, uh, you know, being strong doesn't mean not having fear 
I think fear is a natural part of life and there's no shame in it. And I hope that as you grow up, you learn that the people that we call brave or courageous are not people who don't have fear, but people who did the right thing even though they were afraid. And in our Bible story today, it's the Sunday after Easter, and all of the disciples of Jesus who had run away when they crucified him are scared. They're locked up in a room, and they're scared somebody's going to come back and get them, or that maybe Jesus really is alive, like Mary said, and he's going to be mad at them for having run away. And none of that is true. Jesus appears right in the middle of that locked room, and the very first thing he says is, peace be with you. And when I'm afraid, that's the first thing I do. I pray for God's peace. Doesn't mean I'm not going to be afraid the next time I see a snake or one gets too close, but I can have God's peace even when I have that fear. And so that is something that we all can remember to do is to ask God for peace. Let's have a prayer. Thank you, God, that even when we're afraid, you can give us your peace. Amen. Okay, you can head back to the doorways there. Thank you for coming this morning. Our second scripture text is from John chapter 20, verses 19 to 29. And again, I'll invite you uh, to listen for the word of the Lord. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the people, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his uh, hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you, as the God has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained but Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O oh God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. 
O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Each year after celebrating the glorious Easter news of resurrection, we come to this Sunday and find ourselves asking, have our lives really changed all that much? Is anything different in the way we're living from day to day? I don't know about you, but I don't see any really big changes in myself. Maybe that's why the lectionary for the second Sunday in Easter is always this same story. In a lot of ways, it is our story. Because like the first disciples, we struggle with what to do with resurrection. On Easter, we talked about Mary Magdalene's encounter with the risen Christ and her excitement as she hurried to tell the other disciples that she had seen the Lord. And what do they do? Do they run out in the streets looking for him? No, they do nothing. That very night, we find those disciples seemingly petrified as they hide themselves huddled behind locked doors. Is it that they don't believe Mary? Do they just write her off as some sort of hysterical female? Maybe they want to believe her but find it hard, and just maybe they're afraid that Jesus really is risen. After all, they had abandoned Jesus when he was arrested and flogged and crucified. They had been his disciples, his followers, his best friends, And yet when Jesus had needed them most, they had been cowards. Don't you imagine that Peter, who had vowed to never forsake him, who denied him again and again, isn't too anxious to face Jesus now? To be fair to the disciples, they could also be hiding behind those locked doors because they were so traumatized by the violence that happened to Jesus. And for all they know, someone is coming back for his followers. In our country, where we can worship as we please, it's hard for us to imagine having to be afraid to go out in the clear light of day while openly being a follower of Jesus. Yet that is not true everywhere in the world right now. You may remember the news story from Easter Sunday of 2016 when 75 people were killed, including 29 children, over 340 people injured in a suicide bombing in part of Lahore, Pakistan. It was a big park where Christians were celebrating Easter. The Pakistani Taliban claimed responsibility for the attack. In the church I last served, there was a Pakistani woman who had recently come to the United States. She always sat in the very front row, resting her hands on the railing in front of her, holding her cell phone so that she could video the service. Her three teenage children were still in Pakistan because in her plan to get the whole family out, something went wrong. Someone, she thinks, in her community had alerted the authorities who separated everyone at the airport, sent the mother through, and kept the teenagers from leaving. Every Sunday since that day, all three of her teenagers hide together in a small locked room so that they can watch that worship service. 
Preaching is a responsibility that I've always seen as something for which none of us, including me, is qualified for or worthy on our own, and that it is only by the work of the Holy Spirit that anything can come out of my mouth that will make any difference at all. But when this Pakistani woman, Nagin, was in church, I would pray that her children would be safe and that they would hear something that was meaningful to them. I often think about those brave Pakistani teenagers risking imprisonment or worse if someone, even someone in the extended family, found them in that little room worshiping with the Christian church in America. The first disciples, hiding in their little room, allowed their fears to take over to the point of locking out the world. Jesus may be free from the tomb, but the disciples in their fear have imprisoned themselves. Fear can keep us from fully living. What are you afraid of? What are the locked doors or the closed places in your life? Sometimes we lock up our hearts because we're not ready to explore how we feel or maybe we're afraid of getting hurt. We lock up our minds, even about our faith, when we don't want anything to challenge our ideas or our opinions. I've known people who are too scared of being hurt to open the doors of love or compassion at all, who steadfastly lock their gates to the possibility of forgiveness, who huddle down behind a bunker of anger and resentment. The amazing thing is that no matter how many doors that you or I have locked, we can't keep Jesus out. When he appears to those disciples on that first night, does he chastise them for their cowardice and betrayal? Does he try to make them feel guilty or ashamed? No, his first words are, peace be with you. He steps into the midst of their fear and offers them what they need. Jesus comes back a second time to see Thomas and offer him, offers him what he needs. And those first words again are, peace be with you. When Thomas had first traveled around with Jesus, he was the one who had encouraged the other disciples to stay with Jesus, even if it would mean dying with him. And when the apostles later would begin carrying the Gospels to different parts of the world, Thomas was the one who started the church in what we now know as India. There are still churches there that bear his name. Thomas was a devoted disciple. His comment about seeing Jesus for himself was simply that he wanted to believe because of his own experiences, not just because of what somebody else told him. Almost as soon as Jesus appears to him in that locked room, Thomas explains, my Lord and my God. We don't ever know if he even touched him. Jesus not only offers inner peace to the disciples, but forgiveness. Just by showing up to them, by coming there, shows that he forgives them, and then he lets them know that he does forgive them, and he has a purpose, a mission for them to love and forgive others in the same way. When Jesus breathes the Holy Spirit upon the first disciples and upon us, we are given what we need to answer our calling. Do you know that every time you unlock just a part of yourself that you have kept barricaded, you are living a little more into the Easter life, into resurrection life? 
To me, the really good news here is that Christ comes to us wherever we are. Our starting point in resurrected living is where we are right this minute. For Thomas, it begins with his questioning. For you, it may be a place of fear or illness, disappointment or struggle or even joy. The locked doors of the disciples was their starting point. By Pentecost, they would be traveling into the streets, sharing the gospel of Christ to anyone who would listen. How many of you are familiar with the long-term classic Les Miserables by Victor Hugo? Maybe you, if you didn't read the book, you saw a musical, maybe heard of it, maybe heard some of the songs from the musical. Well, at the beginning of the story, we see how the main character, Jean Valjean, is changed by the difficult circumstances in his life. After stealing a loaf of bread just to feed his family that was starving, he's arrested and ends up spending time in jail that somehow gets lengthened to 19 years in jail. All of that time being locked up affects him deeply, so deeply that it sends him down a very destructive path. As the writer puts it, it withers his soul. When he gets out of prison, because he is branded a criminal, nobody will give him a job, nobody will give him a place to stay or even food until he meets this one elderly, kind bishop who takes him in. Valjean, who doesn't seem ready to believe in the kindness of stranger, steals silver from the house and runs away. The police catch up to him. And Valjean is certainly that he's headed right back to prison. Yet when they bring him to the bishop to confess his crimes, the bishop surprises everyone. He says, I'm glad to see you. But I also gave you candlesticks, which are silver like the rest, and would probably bring you two francs. Why didn't you take them along with your cutlery? Of course, the police have to release him if he's saying it was a gift after all. And the bishop hands the speechless man the candlesticks, explaining, My brother, you no longer belong to evil, but to good. It is your soul I'm buying for you. I withdraw it from dark thoughts, and I give it to God. Soon, Valjean is crying as he reflects on his life, realizing that he has spent so long in prison, not just by the jailer, but by his own lostness, his own anger, he begins from that starting point to turn his life around. The Christ-like love shown to him by that bishop opens the door to his heart for forgiveness and grace. So he begins offering it to others. His life is forever changed. The character of Valjean seemed beyond redemption, but no one, no one is ever beyond redemption. No matter how hard we try to lock up our hearts, like a butterfly yearning to be made new and to be free, there is new life awaiting within us. Jesus just keeps showing up, loving us and waiting for us to embrace those new wings. Years ago, there was a Valentine's Day cover in the New Yorker magazine, for the New Yorker magazine, and it showed a man standing in his apartment, his big New York fancy apartment with this big steel door with four locks on it and a security bar. Beneath the door is an envelope 
with a little red heart on it. It was Valentine's Day for that edition. James Liggett relates this magazine cover to the second Sunday of Easter, saying that today it is all about the heart of faith, about who we are and who God is. As I think about it, it seems to me that so many people in our world feel alienated from one another and from God. The doors we shut in each other's faces can be massive and intimidating. Yet Jesus somehow manages to get across all of our barriers, offering, offering us peace and forgiveness and unconditional love. As Leggett puts it, for all of our struggles to find something to fix us, to fill the, the holes inside of us, to get ourselves out of the prisons in which we find ourselves, for all the effort and for all the tragedy that can be a part of that search, the answer turns out to be not a task for us to accomplish or a truth that we just have to learn or a ceremony we have to perform. The answer is that little heart slid under the door, an impossible presence, even in a locked room. Friends, we are simply invited to receive God's love for us as a gift. And let the peace of Christ and the breath of the Spirit give us courage to unlock our doors, to move from wherever we are forward in the lifelong process of resurrection living. What doors will you unlock today? Amen.